This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Here we go. It's another week. They just keep coming one after another. How There's are no you? It. How are you? I don't know. How was your weekend? All right. How are you? We worked. All right. I'm, I'm just having fun, you know, kicking tires. You know. Uh, Shannon is downtown Toronto and uh, working for uh, CBC and their coverage of the Olympic Games. Yeah. yeah just helping my friends. And uh, I'm just sitting here occasionally watching. Yeah. Did you, have, have, have you watched any Olympics? A little bit. Really a yeah. little bit. Yeah. You know, Sorry. I'm not... I'm not I staying like up live. in the middle of the night. Yeah. I don't, I don't like the replays. Yeah. Um, you know, if I find out the event has happened already, I'm inclined to go ah, click and I go to my iPhone and see what, who won. And, um, so that's the, that's the dilemma you have when the games are in, you know, 12 hours, 14 hours, yeah. whatever it is away. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, I will say that we are very fortunate, um, in our country to have, uh, coverage the way we do it with the three networks with CBC and Sportsnet and TSN because well, then that all started in 2010. Um, uh, yes, essentially yeah. that yeah. you know it, was CTV. Yeah. You're right, getting with, the rights and then bringing the, TSN and Sportsnet in. Yvonne Fitzan, um, and uh, then him, him uh, Yvonne hiring Keith Pelly to and reinvent yeah. the wheel, and they've it, it, it's been changed a few times, but it's uh, it's still really a good thing to have access to more events on on three different channels i'm going to ask you a question that may could turn into an entire show but let me throw something at you okay there are now too many events in in the winter olympic games this explosion of new niche sports yeah well you um, know why why, i know why but they've gone too far in my opinion well and and it really um it's the ioc's um, response to uh, uh, the X Games. X Games uh, in the United States have become such a factor uh, for viewership for young people uh, with, with a lot less rules than the Olympics create. And when, when ABC and ESPN didn't get the Olympic, Olympics, uh, what, 15 years ago, and they said, we're going to invent our own games and the X Games, and they, they, they basically rewrote the, the blueprint to uh, what winter sports were supposed to be like. Uh, that's, that's why we are where we are, because this is the IOC's response is we've got to be younger, we've got to be hippier, we've got to have edge, and that's what people want. And so they've, they've come. I mean, when I, my first um, Winter Games, Bob, was 14 days. There's only 14 sports, 14 days. Yep. Now we're, we're 17 days, 17 days officially, but there were three days of events before. Before the opening ceremonies. <laughs> before the opening ceremonies. So right. it's, it's, you know, they're trying to put five pounds of something into a two pound bag. And it's just, it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's stuff I don't know about. I don't hear about. I never see. I mean, I watched the two men curling and the no, mixed. The mixed. Curling, mixed yes. curling. Yeah. How, we, how, how did we lose that? Let's, I want to well, know how we lost it. How, oh, who cares? <laughs> I mean, I, you know, there, you, you could, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a, a curling event on television over on the two sports networks over the course of the year. Well, how many mixed curling events have you seen? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, none but, is the but, answer. To the best of my knowledge, none. But two man curling teams as well. It's contrived no. nonsense. Yeah. Well. And and I'm not the least bit interested in it. If that, you want to have mixed, why don't why don't you have traditional four man mixed team? At least that has existed here in Canada for a number of years. Yeah. And any country that curls could put together a mixed I, team. I uh, I'm going to uh, uh, nominate you to replace Thomas Bach as the president of the IOC. Thank you. And, um, you know, we can, we can give out flying fadoos and things like that. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you'll execute that policy the same way you've done in, um, in providing me a job (laughs) from time to time. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. We know, we know who's riding on whose back here is what we know. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, uh, let's, uh, let's take the break. And when we come back, uh, Brian Cooper will join us. We'll talk about the Olympics and we'll talk about uh, a little bit about Canada and the proposed or discussed, I guess is more appropriate, um, potential bid from Vancouver, uh, which would, it would be 20 years after the 2010 games. We'll address that with, uh, Coop when we come back after these messages. McCown and Shannon back with you. And um, here's a, a familiar face uh, who hasn't, we haven't had him on the show for quite a while. Um, our sports business expert, so to speak, Brian Cooper is uh, with us from Florida where he is. Um, I was going to say vacationing, but yet if you, if you're going to be on a vacation, you actually have to have a job. You have to work the other parts of the year and you don't do any of that anymore. So, Oh, come on. I How do, would you classify this? I do a lot of this is for me. This is fun. It's it's fun. <laughs> well, he says as he's counting his cash. That's good. I like that. <laughs> we we uh, we wish you we were there with you, and I'm sure the invitation to come down is uh, is imminent. It's open. You not. know that. Um, I don't know where we're going to go with this conversation, but I wanted to start here. One of the things we are in the middle of the Olympics. Our friend Shannon is. Uh, boarded up at a downtown Toronto hotel, working with uh, CBC on their Olympic coverage, specifically hockey. And the rest of us are, um, to some degree, watching these games, as we always do. And um, one of the issues that has been raised over the last few weeks, more prominently at least, is the notion of Vancouver bidding for 2030. And um, with facilities in place, most of them, uh, from the 2010 Olympics, a necessity, probably the, the biggest build will be, um, residences. Um, and it raises, um, or re-raises a notion that I've had for some period of time that, you know, we're at the point where the, if you're going to, if you're going to spend on an Olympic games, maybe you should have more than one. And the, the concept that I suggested was maybe every other year. So if you bid for, let's say, 2026, then you also get 2034. Uh, first of all, let's talk about that concept generically. You've had enough involvement with these games, and John certainly has. Is that idea feasible, viable? Well, uh, you know what? I, I think, actually, Bob, it's the only way to go uh, forward. Uh, I think there should be Olympic City franchises. Uh, you know, that uh, maybe there's eight cities around the globe uh, that have built the infrastructure that may need tweaking, you know, every eight year turn that they get. 
but the the notion of of cities these days to build the infrastructure, whether it's highways or the ski jumps or to to you know build the stadiums, uh, I, I think the general public are saying, you know what, there are better use of dollars uh, that that we can't afford to do it uh, for this one great moment of PR. And that's really what it is for these cities. It is one great moment of PR. I think if you had like like Vancouver or Calgary or, or Utah or cities uh, of Paris and LA uh, around the world that have you know three quarters of the infrastructure already built, uh, the, then it makes sense for them and most feasible in terms of uh, the costs associated with it. The only thing that really uh, is the variable here is the rising cost of security. And that that now has become a massive cost associated with doing these games. But that's not relative to the site. That's relative to the games themselves. So no matter what you do, where you go, you're going to have yeah. those security but, costs. But, Bob, those intrinsic costs um, are the responsibility of the of the local... Local organizing committee. Organ, organizing committee. So I remember distinctly in 2002, Brian, you would remember this as well, um, that after 9-11, 2002, the Olympics, uh, the security bill, and Mitt Romney was running the Olympics in, right, in this Salt Lake was City. in Utah. Yep. Yeah, it, and the security bill went from, I, I believe, from $20 million to $200 million. Well, and, and, and John, you make the, uh, you know, you, we're, we're in agreement here, violent agreement, because if you're doing this in China or Russia, yeah. where... You know, less they security can seal issues. Off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot less security issues. When you're in a more democratic country that you know has a lot, allows more immigration, etc., the security issues are are much more costly. But I think you know the days of um, smaller towns like uh, Torino and and uh, around the world to say that we want to do the Olympics, the cost is it's just out of this world. They they can't do it. Yeah, it's funny you say that because uh, my favorite Olympics of all time other than Calgary, of course, because I was living there at the time, um, was Lillehammer, Norway. And and, and for those people who don't know Norway, Lillehammer is the size of Huntsville, Ontario. And (laughs) and it really is. Um, And it was like having the Olympics in Huntsville. And there is no way, no way anymore that a city of that size, of that ilk, could ever host uh, an Olympic Winter Games. There's just no chance. It just won't work. And I think the politics are such these days that, you know, whoever says we want to make this spend, the other side is going to be saying you're out of your mind and, you know, it's going to cost votes either way. Well, and let's remember these games, the Beijing Winter Games, in the end, there were two bids, two bids. One was Beijing, obviously. The other was Kazakhstan. And and the IOC, they, 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 they pleaded with China to put in a bid, please put in a bid because we, as much as we respect Kazakhstan as a country, they would say diplomatically under their breath, um, they wanted, they did not want to go to Kazakhstan. And then Bobby, you've been saying this for years that these are money losers that, you know, they talk about the economic impact and they talk about the number of jobs and the legacy that's left behind. And, you know, the apartments that are used for uh, low income housing, et cetera. You know, I don't know what the, the final numbers on those, but uh, you, they can go either way. 
Uh, and, and look, I, as you guys know, I'm chairman of the board of uh, Canada Basketball. We look at hosting events and FIBA, uh, which is, you know, the basketball version of the IOC. They're getting less and less people, cities putting up their hands to say, OK, we'll host this because the exorbitant risks and costs that they make you take. Uh, so um, I, the same goes with the IOC. And, John, yeah. you know, you make a good point. Yeah, actually, riddle me this. I do think the world has changed, but how much of a driving force uh, of a venue is the United States? Is, let's face it, NBC? Well, t- time zone for sure. I mean, well, if you look at the next, yeah. next two Olympics, it's going to be much better, you know, Paris and LA uh, in terms of the time zone and the broadcast associated. Mm-hmm. When you're spending that type of money, even the sponsors. You know, they're, they're spending six and a half million dollars for a 30 second spot uh, on, on taped coverage. Yeah. It, you know, everyone loves sports live. Uh, and, let's, and let's remember, if you look at NBC's numbers, even for these games, um, they were, I think, memory serves me, they were 26 million people watched the opening series, the ceremonies in South Korea, 16 million watched basing. Do you realize? Realize, <laughs> I can see it on your face. Do you realize the make goods that they're going to have yeah. to do? Yeah. yeah, yeah, especially at those prices. And so, you know, look, I, I think you know the sponsorship is not going to go away. I mean, you can talk about even Beijing. You know, they they talk about the uh, human rights abuses, and, and then you know the the U.S. and other countries, Australia, Canada, are not sending their top diplomats there or politicians. That hasn't stopped Coca-Cola or Intel or any of these corporations spending billions, millions and millions of dollars to be associated with the games. You know, th- those uh, political elements are washed by the side. Well, John, working on the Olympics yourself, I assume you have access to um, some ratings, some numbers. The vast majority of events um, in these Olympics are overnight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I actually just full transparency. I have not seen a number no. uh, uh, from from the CBC yet. Um, it's too early, too. Yeah. Well, and, I would I would say maybe they aren't publicizing that number because it's embarrassingly low. I don't think so. I mean, because there are some numbers out that are 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 a little different, as I understand. But they're they're it's certainly not anything that's been shared with me. I've just been focused on trying to make sure that the women wear their masks during hockey games. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, The ones with the cages on them, not the ones that, that protect yeah. them from COVID. Both, uh, both. <laughs> well, um, look, we understand that, and I think we've understood for some time, that the Olympic Games, as we grew up knowing them, mm. uh, will never be the same. You're never going to have seven, nine countries bidding for games. Uh, the economic reality is it is a a money loser and a colossal money loser. And with all of the things that were built, let's say for Vancouver or are still being used in Calgary, um, you could have built those things for a lot less money. If you felt you really needed them than building them under the pressures of the Olympic games. And it's just the way a democratic society operates. Um, everything winds up going over budget contractors and, people who are designed to build these facilities and create these events understand that there's a time frame and that they hold the hammer. Mm. If it's going to cost more, they charge more. Um, if it's going to take longer, they charge more. 
So, so Brian, just, just Brian, out of curiosity, um, to have your brand associated with the five Olympic rings it is as a as a corporate partner. Uh, are the dollars bigger than ever? Have they flattened? What's going no, on with that? No, the, 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 you know, the dollars are bigger than ever. And I think um, there, there's just a push amongst a lot of corporations to wrap themselves in our national flag. Uh, you know, one of the best ways to do it is go with the national team or, or, or certainly go with the Olympic uh, Games. You know, the, the fact that it happens every two years, it, it's not a consistent 82 game schedule and you're going to get that brand exposure. But the message and the impact is deeper, I think, when you can wrap yourself in the flag. So, you know, uh, Jackie Ryan and the Canadian Olympic Committee and the uh, Canadian Olympics uh, group and David Schumacher, they've done a tremendous job bringing in renewing new sponsor, uh, old sponsors at a much higher price and bringing in new sponsors, you know, and, and you can see this sort of change of wh where they're going. The Lululemon deal is a real good, one. you know, Hudson Bay had been there and, you know, a bit of a tired brand and they did a very, very good job. Lululemon on the edge of brand reaching a whole different audience. They come in from major dollar uh, and, you know, Bell renews at a major dollar Canadian tire renews. So they've done a really, really good job. So I don't think, uh, I, I think people are still uh, going to be spending and brands are going to be spending with the Olympic uh, rings. They have a lot of competition out there now, though. Yeah. Well, so, but ramifications of not having the NHL players there. Oh, that, that, that impacts television and, you know, and that impacts the, the 32nd spots and, you know, that impacts the national uh, organizations, Hockey Canada, et cetera. Uh, so it is, there is ramifications without a doubt. Uh, you know, but I got to tell you, people fall in love with a lot of these amateur athletes that you don't, you know, you're not watching snowboarding, you're not watching, uh, biathlon, you're not watching a lot of these, uh, sports, uh, throughout the other two years that they're off to camera. Uh, but during this time period, uh, the nationalism is whipped into a frenzy and you watch it, mm -hmm. uh, but the big players, it'd be like the NBA not participating in the, in the summer games. Uh, that would impact it negatively, without a doubt. Uh, you know, I think also on the infrastructure thing, Bob, and we talked about this years ago, there should be franchises. And, you know, the one I, the best Olympics I attended was Russia, believe it or not. I'm not a big fan of Russia, but the way they did it, I mean, you know, first of all, whatever they wanted to spend, they could spend. There was no pushback from the general public saying, hey, Putin, you're spending too much on these games. Secondly, they had, you know, one entrance and one exit, and all of the infrastructure was built in one area. And, and you know, the security was great because it was only in one area that you had it, but you didn't have to take buses and uh, trams and whatever. So I think when you look at these franchises, you know, choose the ones that uh, – that are in autocratic countries because they don't mind spending the money. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, Sochi, Sochi cost $50 billion more, not $50 million total, $50 billion more than any winter games previously. Yeah. To put it in perspective. Yeah. Well, and I didn't you know raised, that number, but yes, go ahead. Bob. So now you raise the question of whether that was, that spending is is ultimately justified because they essentially created a resort mm -hmm. um, and infrastructure for that resort. And I don't pretend to know whether you know what their tourism dollars they're generating out of it, or you know. But at least there is a. They built something where there was nothing, essentially, and 
um, maybe that's a way to go. But, you know, Olympics are in a country, but it's a city that actually uh, has the direct benefit. And I know now Beijing, you know, a lot of the facilities are outside the city, Vancouver. We also had Whistler. Um, so it's spread around a bit, but basically it's a city that hosts the Olympic Games. And again, the long-term implications of the construction that takes place and the creation that takes place could much more cheaply be done uh, outside the Olympic environment. Maybe a place like Sochi actually could make some sense, but how many of those are there out there? Wow. Not many. And as I said, in democratic countries, it's not going to happen. Autocratic countries where they, they spend, yes, it could happen. You know, but if you, even if you had four cities that it, it rotated between the four cities, uh, I think that's the way to go. Uh, you know, the long-term future of the IOC um, is questionable to me. Well, uh, what do you mean by that? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Just because, just between, I know, but between, because I think politics and I think cost uh, and 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 dollars spent or dollars needed elsewhere, uh, they, they 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 ratchet up the cost, John. Every year they don't care. You, you and the reason I say that, and you just you supported it. You said it, you know went down to two Kazakhstan and and, and Beijing were the mm -hmm. ones that were bidding on it. Mm -hmm. And so you know, it, it, like more and more uh, people are saying, I one I can't afford that. You know, the cost is not, politically, it's not wise. Uh, two, uh, the fact that uh, the, the benefit uh, probably, as Bob would say, is an economic disaster. There's other ways and there's other, it was before, it was the only way you get to, people to see your beautiful city was television. Mm. Now we'll go online. You want to do something, you want to make a big splash, do something <laughs> online. Yeah. That's, now that's a, that's a really good point. That, 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 to me, there's some logic to uh, the way people view the world. And we're, we, we are such a smaller planet now with technology, aren't we? Yeah. By the way, John, after 15 years, that's the first time you ever said that's a really good point to me. I, yeah, I'm, well, you know, I'm delighted. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't, hey, don't get used to it, Cooper. <laughs> well, he may also have misspoke, too. So. <laughs> Um, time frame is always an issue oh. uh, for us in North America. And yes, the U.S. networks traditionally have paid, paid the most for broadcast rights and therefore would prefer, we know, and sometimes are able to influence the location of games um, because of that. Having said that, the population of China dwarfs the population of the United States. Mm -hmm. and every other country in the world. Um, so now we have games again in China. Are we, are we here in North America overly focused on the American audience and essentially disregarding the potential impact of the Chinese audience in games like these? I'll tell you, the corporate sponsors aren't. Uh, you know, I think that all of them are trying to reach that market, whether doing business with the, the, the government uh, in, in the government in China or to reach that massive audience. Mm -hmm. uh, I, but I also think that, you know, when NBC goes in there and charges that much per 30 second spot, 
they still have to get an audience and, and realize, you know, this streaming that's going on as well. And, you know, that's not the catch up in terms of numbers. I mean, it's still far behind, but eventually that's going to be catching up. And John, you probably see uh, an increase in streaming uh, on oh. CBC's part as well. I, I think CBC Gem. I think CBC Gem. Even I, I, I watched Tokyo games. I never watched the main channel. I watched yeah. on, on Gem, basically on demand. And NBC has put a lot of content. You, you would know this from those yeah. hours and hours you spend in front of the television watching the primetime show. They've spent. Uh, they have most of the content now on Peacock, which is their yeah. streaming service. And so you, it's an on-demand service, and it works. They work great, and and they actually want it on Peacock in order to drive dry subscriptions right yeah and I, I could tell you just from the work i do with uh, uh our friends at canada basketball we just did a a deal uh through um sportsnet and the sportsnet uh you know had to deal with fiba and the yeah. zone was in the play the streaming company the zone was in the play and so those bodies are slicing and dicing uh, the, you know, you're getting live broadcasts in prime time. You're getting, you know, off prime time broadcasts. You're getting streaming. You're only getting these sports. You're only mm -hmm. getting the women. You're not getting the men. They're slicing and dicing like everyone else to gain more dollars. Right. Yeah. And well, and look who, look who they want to, you don't see it where you are, Brian, but one of the number one sponsors on the CBC for these games is DAZN. Is DAZN? Yeah. They are oh. all over, all over the CBC production. Wow. Which is intriguing well, because this is really their coming out party in Canada in terms of advertising. And uh, I'd heard a lot of negative things about DAZN and, and how they may be in financial difficulty, although they're owned by a ridiculously wealthy guy. They are. And, um, and how they're cutting back on uh, staffing, et cetera, et cetera. I heard a lot of negativity. And then all of a sudden, as John says, all these DAZN ads pop up. Yeah. Everywhere. Well, Everywhere. well, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, I believe TSN and Sportsnet would not take their ads because they're in direct competition and you know they're, they're all about sports and so now they're getting an olympic window yeah. on cbc that said you will take your money sure yeah. well yeah you know it, it, it is to me I, in walking in i and notice i did note i noticed that right away by the way just as a, a programming note because we can do this on our own podcast now uh john skipper's coming on in the next couple of weeks to talk about this very issue is he really? Yeah. That was fantastic. He's yeah. a, well, he's, I mean, he, John he's, brilliant. he's, he's brilliant. More, yeah. He's one of the most experienced guys in, in terms of the broadcast yeah. deals. Yeah. So John, John's going to come on and talk to us about this very story uh, in the next couple of weeks. Well, that's a good catch. Well, and perhaps we should, me. we should introduce uh, the generic audience. We all know who John Skipper is, but the generic audience may not be familiar with him. He's a former head of ESPN and, um, now runs. Went, and then went to, went and then did go to the zone uh, and left to the zone to create his own uh, company uh, yeah. with a couple of other big talented guys like dad Lebetard and the, his uh, he, he he's one of the great drivers of now of online content so it's yeah. uh, it's going to be an interesting conversation I want to uh, circle back to uh, Vancouver a little bit um, and um, get some thoughts on whether this is the right idea or maybe it should be Calgary or should we be doing should Canada be hosting Olympic Games at all? Uh, we'll address all those subjects. Uh, Brian Cooper is uh, with us. Can we talk Super Bowl too? Business expert. Of can course we, we can, John. Can we talk Super Bowl? I don't think I could stop you if I wanted to. That's a good point, Bob. So um, unless we run out of time, and I'll do my best to see if we, I can make that happen. Back <laughs> with more after these messages.
This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Bob McCowan, John Shannon, Brian Cooper, our sports business expert. So I started this conversation with relation to Vancouver, and we got not off on a tangent because uh, we we continue to talk about the Olympics and television and the future of of the games. But there is contemplation now in Vancouver of of a, a renewed bid for 2030. Calgary has talked about um, another bid. Yeah. Uh, I'm not they sure. They rejected what one. They rejected one. If you remember, Bob, they rejected a, a bid for 2026. Yes. Um, I don't know where they're at right now. Do you? I think that I think everything's on hold there because uh, one of the big issues in Calgary, their arena plan has gone kaput. Right, Brian? After so many years of saying, we, you know, we're close to getting a deal done. I, I, they, they, Calgary pulled out of it. Uh, uh, the, the hockey team pulled out of the deal that they had with the city. Yeah. And so, uh, I, and, and I don't know where that stands. I, you know what, I, I could tell you, I was involved with a number of negotiations that uh, uh, anticipated the, a new build and a new building and greater signage. And, and you know, and, and they needed that building. That barn is way past its due date. Well, and, and what was it? What, and what was it built for? It was, it was built for the Olympics. The 1988, yeah. 1988 Olympic Winter Games. Well, and let's, yeah, let's just clarify this, too, because there's a lot of politics involved in this. You can make the argument, and it's fair, that the building is needs to be replaced or should be replaced. But attaching it to the Olympics is an obvious con. And I say con with no, no respect, with severe disrespect, because all it is is a matter of shifting the cost of that from a community, the team will pay some, the community will pay some, the province will pay some, but now all of a sudden you get the feds because of an Olympics to kick in a significant portion of that. And that's why that is done. Let's, let's be clear on it. Not that they don't need a new arena. Oh no, they do need it. They do need a new arena. I, I, I'm not, I'm not disputing that. Okay. But that's why I wonder why the Olympic movement isn't more attached to that, the building of a new arena. And why they haven't pushed harder to try and bid for another Olympics when they could get subsidies on that arena, not to mention the other things that are going on. Because, because, because it, the Olympics now, listen, Calgary in 1988, uh, Calgary made money. Calgary turned a profit. Calgary reinvested. Well, things be in the careful city. there, John. Oh, you no, say no, that Bob. definitively. No, you I, can't I, I say can, that. I, I can. I can. I can. I was there. I was a bit part of it. Calgary's Olympics made money. They made about $150 million in profit, pure and utter profit. They got put back into amateur sport. They got put into city development. It made money. It really did, I don't did, believe Bob. it. Well, I don't it believe it because I've seen, I've watched, I've watched Olympic bids. I watched this city make Olympic bids. And I sat with guys like John Bithove and got and, and heard the spin of how you're how they couldn't lose money, how they were going to make money. And the truth of the matter is they could make the numbers stand up and do the, the Watusi, you know, and it they, didn't no, mean Calgary, it was real. Calgary, Calgary did make money. And I, and, well, you keep saying I think that. It, I don't it believe might, it. 
it might be the last one that did. I don't believe it, but go ahead. You know what, Bob, Bob it, that was a simpler time, too. Yes. Uh, you know, there was I two networks that. that were. Yeah. I mean, so I, I think they look, I was there. Every every venue I went to was completely sold out. And, you know, the, the, you didn't have the cost. Uh, that you have today. I mean, there was the infrastructure cost, but you didn't have the security cost that you had there. You didn't have the transportation cost that you have there. Uh, Calgary, I, I think, possibly could have. I mean, and, and I didn't know it was 150 million, John, but uh, I know that uh, it wasn't uh, the white elephant that they left behind because no. all of those uh, the venues that they built are still being used today. And I don't know what the public-private participation levels were. But, you know, that was a different time. Today, I, it, it'd be tough to rationalize, Bob, if, you're, if the question is, should Vancouver or Calgary go at it right now? You would, the, the political discourse that would go on uh, from either side uh, would almost make it impossible. And the other thing is, if you said, well, we want to bid for an Olympics, what do you recommend? I would say never bid for the summer. Huge difference between the winter games and the summer games from organization from logistics i mean we're talking 17 or 18 sports versus 35 or 36 sports 35 or 36 venues and it's just it's really there's only one olympic games that's the summer mm -hmm. the winter games are just this little thing that they try to appease countries that don't have good summer athletes well, you know, the other thing is the, the, the venues, are they going to be used after they're gone? Oh, look, I was in Beijing at the Nest uh, post the Olympics. I mean, it's, yeah. no one's there. They're not using it for anything. Yeah, it got, it, and it got used, it's being used in these games now, right? Yes. Well, hey, but look at, look at what they did in Atlanta. Look what they did in Atlanta. Yeah. They, you know, they built an Olympic stadium. When, and then when the Olympics left, they tore half of it down. The Braves played there for, what, 15 yeah. years? And then they've turned it down again, and the Braves have moved to the suburbs. I mean, Well, yeah. let's take something that's as close to comparable as you can get to the Olympics, and that's the World Cup of Soccer. And they're about mm -hmm. to go to Qatar, or Qatar, oh. if, you, if you wish. And I don't – it's been a, a couple of years, actually, since I've seen anything. But I remember when they, when they made, were making their bid – they built or were going to build nine new soccer stadium, stadia, all of them 50,000 capacity or more, all spectacular in their design. And then the concept was, I believe, after the games or after the World Cup, seven of those stadia were going to be torn down. So they're going to build seven stadia that were going to be used for two weeks and then blow them up. No sense. So, well, Bob, that goes back to my point of this doesn't work in democratic countries well, as I get easily it. as it does in autocratic countries. Yeah. I get I mean, it. Yeah. Hey, can you, 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 Bob opened the conversation to uh, soccer. Um, what, what's, what's the national team's progress and success meant for their sponsorship programs? And, you know, this last, I mean, our buddy McCowan has talked it's, more soccer in the last three months than he did in 30 years. He loves 30 it. 30 years. He loves, he loves this I team. I don't, I don't love it. But, but um, you know, I've lived in this country all my life. My loyalty is to this country. Uh, I'm a fan of all things Canada. And what we are watching now, you'd be a fool not to, to be attached to it. It is something that in all my years I've never seen, Canada with a competitive team 
and exciting and young players and um, and a process. I'm a fan of everything that they are doing. And I hope that the, I know the economic struggles that Soccer Canada has gone through as Canada basketball has gone through. Um, it This run, though, should be hugely beneficial to them uh, from an economic point of view. Is it not, Brian? Without a doubt. I mean, the fact that, Bob, that, you know, it has impacted you in a positive way is just a good example of, you know, winning sales, best marketing tool. You can have all the great strategies you want. Winning sales. Uh, and it enhances everything that you do. The T-shirts go out the door quicker. The broadcast deals come to you eat more easily. The sponsors want to renew. New sponsors are coming into the game. Uh, with More kids are playing it at the grassroots level. Feeds the pipeline to better performance down the road. It, winning is that virtuous cycle that really sets everything uh, on, on fire. And you're seeing that with uh, uh, soccer in Canada. Look, they've had a lot of good years, especially with the women. They've done tremendously well. Uh, they have just never got over that hump specifically with the World Cup. Uh, you're right. This team is exciting. They're young. They're The faces of that team represent the new faces of this country. Uh, and, I, and I think it draws in a lot of people, more so than ever before. So the economic impact, I think, will be felt over the next five years easily uh, in a positive way for the organization. So I watched the game the other night from El Salvador. Canada, mm -hmm. El Salvador. And I see um, signage, Scotiabank. I mm -hmm. see a ton of Scotiabank signage. How does that work? Do they? Uh, do Scotiabank is one of the, one of the largest, uh, uh, one of, I think, top three banks uh, in South America. Okay. And we, we did that deal, actually, John. Yeah, no, uh, I know. That's why I'm asking. They, they, we did the CONCACAF uh, Cup deal. Uh, and, but they, they, acquired a bunch of banks down there uh, and uh, they continue to do so. And similar to the hockey program that we have, Scotiabank and Hockey in Canada, mm -hmm. we did Scotiabank and soccer uh, in South America. Okay. So, so it, it, there's no, I mean, so the plan was that you guys knew that Canada was going to be this good. <laughs> the, the, so, so like when you sit down with your, when you sit down with your sponsor and say, listen, here's what we recommend. Or do they come to you? Or is it, what, how does uh, that it, well, take hold? We look at the participation numbers of the sport. We look at the demographics of families that are involved in soccer. We look at the broadcast rights down there. And yeah. we say, okay, you know, it comes down to a numbers game, right? Yeah. Then it comes down to brand fit. Then it comes down to negotiations and fees. Okay. But, but I, that, I'm just, what John's referring to, you know, the signage you, that was in the stadium you flew, there. You that would have been done. Then. That would have been done regionally. Or more locally, would it not, Brian? That purchase, that correct. deal, correct, correct. It would not have been done from Toronto or from head office here in Canada. No, it was done from Toronto head office in Canada. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So their it's agency, it's it, the fact. Well, so the fact that there are Scotia Bank locations in El Salvador is consequential or inconsequential. Were they targeting a Canadian audience or were they talking? Car targeted tar El Salvadorian audience. El, El Salvadorian audience. Their signage came with the broadcast. Wow. Huh. Yeah. Well, so, okay. that signage would have been there whether Canada was uh, playing in that game or not. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. 
or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Okay, so the, the other one, and we, we talked uh, before the break about streaming. Um, soccer in our country has done a huge deal with a, a Spanish company mm-hmm. uh, under the banner of One Soccer. Um, what, what, what do you see their role in growing the game and, 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 uh, subscriptions in our country? What, when you look into your crystal ball about where soccer is from a, a television perspective, because sport sportsnet's running these games, but they're not producing them. Uh, no, it, they're taking a feed. They're taking a one soccer feed. So right. where do you, where do you, is this, is this just a, a, a great coincidence that our soccer team is good and we. We have people investing in the business or is what, what comes first? Is it a chicken or egg scenario? Well, no, I, I think it, it arts. They, I, I think they see the rise of soccer in, in certain countries. They look at the, you know, the broadcast numbers that we get for the women's game. And so they're saying, okay, we're going to make an investment. And the same thing that just happened with Sportsnet with, with basketball, right. you know, they realized, okay, the Raptors turned it on fire. And, you know, now all of a sudden, you know, we get so many players in the NBA, WNBA. And so let, let's invest for the long term. And that's what happened with one soccer. Same. And, and to, for the streaming rights, because as you know, as we talked about before, you know, you're watching everything on gem. Mm-hmm. I watch mm-hmm. a ton of streaming for sports yeah. uh, and, and you're paying every time I, I have to get a new service, especially yeah. down here. Now I'm paying. Yeah. Now I'm paying. It's crazy. Do you, do you think Canadian viewers, in your research with with the groups that you work with, are, are we we're a more traditional audience? We're much more loyal to our linear TV. TV. Yes. Yeah, I, I do, but I think the next generation of cord cutters, and you know, they they are getting their sports when they want it, and you know, they don't want to watch live uh, taped. They want to watch live. Yeah. And, you know, younger audience is up for all hours. And so they're going to where they can get a stream, I think. Mm. Well, they also will watch on a three-inch screen. Yeah. And, right. uh, and I won't watch on anything smaller than 85. Yeah, that's right. Well, well I know. But Bobby, I, I, I got to tell you, I've watched, I've watched games on my phone. You have? Yeah. And it's what, tough to see. Trifocal? Uh, yeah, you got you got to be <laughs> highly motivated, though, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and I I agree. It's a cord cutting thing, and I don't doubt for a second that twenty years from now, the the broadcast environment is going to be dramatically different than what it is today, uh, more different than it was twenty years ago, even. Yeah, yeah. but you'd watch it on an iPad. Well, again, I mean, I, 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 w- I wouldn't, I would as an emergency, but I wouldn't. <laughs> and I think that's the point. Like if I absolutely, that was the only way I could get it. I would, yeah. but yeah. we, you know, there are all oh. kinds of anecdotal stories about young people sitting in front of an 85 inch or whatever mm-hmm. television set it's on the game is on there and they're watching it on their phone. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, Bob and I, Barn, Bob, Bob and I have had this discussion multiple times. Uh, and and it, it's not us, but the world is changing to a stru- two-screen system anyway. Aren't oh, yeah. Everybody, oh, yeah. you're, you're oh, watching yeah. something and you got your laptop. I, look, I, your I, do, I, I do it myself. My kids, they're, they're, they're Snapchatting as they're watching. They're watching other stuff. They're getting they, – and, and you know what? Even the broadcasters promote it. They're saying, you Big know, time. go on – Yeah, 
go on uh, to, you know, to our website and, you know, get engaged in stats, get engaged in the promotions, get engaged in online chats. Uh, before we let you go, um, let's conclude with, um, unless John wants to hijack the conversation again. Um, <laughs> I think it's, would you be a proponent content? Would you be a proponent of Vancouver bidding for 2030? You know, I love the nation building aspect of having the games. I, I could tell you, I probably never felt more proud walking around Vancouver, proud of our country, proud of the way Canadians reported themselves, uh, proud of the fact of the performances we had. Uh, I was there for, uh, forget, I forget his name, he's a skier, he got first gold um, that we had in those games. Bilodeau, I think it was. Bilodeau, yeah, uh, Bilodeau, yeah. yeah. You know, I was in the stands watching that. I was at the hockey games. You know what? It's great for our country, for the world to see who we are. Um, at what cost? Well, that's exactly what it is. You know, th that's exactly what it is. I mean, you know, Canadians have this great reputation to begin with. Do we need to further do that? Uh, you know, can we do it in other ways? Do we go online? And is there some other platform, some other event some other happening that we can show, and, and and that and why do we do these things? Is is it a is it a advertising for our country? Does it actually promote? Does it significantly promote tourism? A hundred percent, it does. You know what? Well, but well significantly the is the definition, and and you're right. You know, you can show the you know the the opening beauty shot of the skyline, then you know zoom into Whistler at the same time, and you know sky to sea. All of those things are great, and it does impact it. But are there other ways, less costly, less invasive on the citizenry of that community for that time frame that they're there? Less security issues? Yeah. Probably yes. Well, but I got to tell you, you, when consider, I was there, it was the best. If you, yeah, Well, we all thought it was fantastic. I mean, but if you consider the infrastructure that exists, at least theoretically, there would be no participation facilities that would have to be built okay. there would not have to be a highway built to whistler the uh, really the only major construction element would be residences and the residences can be and are invariably converted into apartment or condo units after the fact so that there is a recovery process whether it's 100 percent economic recovery or not but there's a recovery process for that so at least in theory, from a construction standpoint, you can eliminate probably 90% of the cost of 2010. And then now you have operational costs. And as John said, yeah, security is going to be really costly. How many police officers, John, did you and I meet from? We met cops from every mm. town and village from coast to coast. Yeah. In, in this country. And they stopped us every time we were walking to work to say, Hello. I remember seeing the two of you. Well, and well, we were <laughs> yeah, like, rock yeah, but, stars out but, there. No, but it, the problem was that we were in handcuffs and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> let me, let well, me you tell may, you this. I, you may have been in I handcuffs would, after I left you, do, but do I don't want to get into do, that. Do not even I, talk about that. I would do, I would, if I'm Vancouver and, and well, theoretically, I'd say, yeah, I'll do this. Me too. But, I'll do it under the, the terms that eight years from now, I get it again. Yeah. And eight that, years from then, I get it again. You give me three shots at this, eight years apart, I'm good. 
And the, the, the interesting thing about the Vancouver consideration is, is where the idea of the bid is coming from. It's not really from the city of Vancouver. It's from the native bands. It's from the indigenous, yeah. you know, and, and they have become, you know, tremendously smart business people. Yes. Well, they're the power uh, brokers in this. They're the power brokers. And so uh, if there's a real push uh, for the lower mainland, for Vancouver and, uh, and, uh, and the Indian reservations, I'm sorry for the 1960 uh, reference. Reference. Um, but if, if, the, if the indigenous leaders want to do it, I think we have a better chance of it happening than if it was just the regular uh, uh, politicians at City Hall in Vancouver. Agree. Agree. Well, John, and you you have more familiarity than either Brian or I because you're from um, you know Southern BC. The in, there is a significant Indigenous influence in Vancouver, is there not? Uh, not all, influence, all of BC. Uh, all of BC. Uh, yeah. I would say I would say what has changed there more than anything, Bob, in the last couple of decades, it's there more influence and respect. Mm-hmm. I think that has changed tremendously. Uh, in in British Columbia, an acknowledgement of of where things and who who really founded the land and who really lived in the land. I think that's really changed in British Columbia in the last two decades. All positive stuff. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I guess we're not going to talk Super Bowl, so I'm gonna, we could talk Super Bowl some other day. So. Well, I got a tea time. Okay. <laughs> well, no, well, then we're definitely not talking Super Bowl. <laughs> well, and uh, with the number of shots uh, I anticipate you'll be hitting, you better get out there in a hurry. Otherwise, you won't be able to finish. Well, hold on, oh, Bob, Bob. But, but if Brian's going to say that, if Brian's going to say that, you know what his nickname is yesterday, right? It's yesterday. His oh, nickname is yesterday. Yeah, his yeah, nickname yesterday is yesterday because, hey, yesterday, I should have, I, when I played, I was really good. Yeah, we know that. <laughs> there, everybody. Brian, yesterday, Cooper. <laughs> uh, have fun out there. We're jealous and, uh, uh, I haven't seen you in a while. We hope to see you face-to-face very soon. Uh, stay That's safe, okay? Good enough. Good to see you guys. Take Brian care. Cooper, our sports business expert. We'll be back after these messages. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Our thanks to Brian Cooper for joining us. McCowan and Shannon back with you. A couple of Tri- things before we go. Tri- trivia question for you. Yes, sir. Who's in the Super Bowl? Um, <laughs> that'd be LA Rams and, and Cincinnati Bengals. Okay, good, good. Because I, I had to think about it for a second about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking more about, is this a trick question? No, no, no. But I mean, well, I two, get your two point. Weeks, so you're, two weeks you're, between the game, two weeks. Pal, I've been on that bandwagon for 30 years. Yeah. Like they did there as at least a couple of times. Yeah. They went back to one week. Yes, they did. Long time ago now, though. Yeah. And I went, oh, giddy up, yippee. Yeah. Because it seemed to me that the only reason to not have the championship game the week after the conference championships yeah. was to squeeze the pro bowl in, which they, they viewed, I guess, as a cash cow. Well, there's nothing less watchable than a pro bowl. Oh, you mean you didn't, you weren't glued on Sunday to the football game. 
the the 42-35 AFC victory over the NFC? The fact that you know the score is shocking. The fact that you even know it was on Sunday is rather surprising. Well, it was in your favorite town. Everything was in my favorite town that week. That well, week and, last week, and I know you love the NHL All Star Game so much too. Did you watch oh, it? Oh my God, not a! I didn't. I wouldn't waste one half of one second watching that crap. Yeah. Well, wasn't it's not for you though? So don't worry about it. Well, I don't care who it's for. But yeah, you it, do it. You, you should. That's good, Mark. That's, I, sh- that's I for should. Twelve year olds. It's a waste of time. Waste of time. No, it's for young people. No, it's not. It's for yeah. corporate sponsors. Ah. And so Gary has a throne to climb is, up is on. It, is it everything? Based on what we talked with, with Brian, isn't everything for corporate sponsors these days? Well, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, well, the NHL All-Star Game, right? there's no point talking about that. It, okay. It, it's, right. it's done and gone, and I assume we'll be back next year, but I hope not. So about the Pro Bowl, it was... Forget the Pro Bowl. The <laughs> Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. All momentum is lost. Yes. You had two consecutive weekends of stunningly entertaining and exciting games. Yeah. Now, not all was the best football you ever saw. No. Um, But they were all close. We have never in the 50 whatever years of, of Super Bowls in the history of the National Football League ever had that many entertaining playoff games leading to a Super Bowl. Bob, I agree with you completely. And the momentum... Poof. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. can't feed off it. No, no, it's, it's crazy. It really is. It's just, it's just a shame. I mean, it feels like forever ago of the Kansas city Buffalo game. It feels like forever. Well, um, we'll see. I mean, it is a super bowl after all. Um, you have a hometown team Yep. and I, uh, I assume there'll be a few Cincinnati fans there, but probably uh, not nearly as many San- as there were San Francisco fans. Uh, last weekend in any event um we'll keep our eye on it over the course of the week Mm -hmm. uh that'll do it time is our enemy for john shannon bob mccowan see you tomorrow goodbye everybody